Welcome to the Benefits Executive Roundtable, hosted by Dorothy Koshu, President of Advanced Benefit Consulting. Dorothy is a nationally recognized benefits and compliance consultant and group health broker. Here, you'll listen to industry experts break down the latest news and trends in employee benefits, healthcare reform, regulations and compliance, all designed to empower executive decisions. Welcome, everyone. I'm Dorothy Koshu, host of the Benefits Executive Roundtable and also Vice President of Communications for the California Association of Health Underwriters. I'm really happy today to be bringing you a special podcast on something very timely and very informative. And some might even say that it's somewhat necessary right now, and that's cybersecurity. This podcast today is being recorded for the use of both the Benefits Executive Roundtable as well as the California Association of Health Underwriters. I have with me today as my special guests, Ted Flitner and Ted Mayashiba principals of the Aditi Group, a technology and IT services company that specializes in electronic security and cybersecurity. Welcome, you guys. I also have with me today Bruce Benton, the current Vice President of Public Affairs of the California Association of Health Underwriters, who will be sharing with us some knowledge on cyber liability coverage. So thank you very much to all of you for joining me for this very special podcast. Thank you, Dorothy, for asking me to participate in this podcast. They're always exceptional, and I consider it an honor. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thank you, Dorothy, for having us back. Uh, it's always appropriate to talk about cybersecurity. We, uh, Ted and I uh, always feel like it's the right time to talk about cybersecurity. So thank you for having us back. Oh, we, you know, I'm really excited about this. I'm very happy that we're doing this. And it's really fitting, by the way, that we ended our Benefits Executive Roundtable Season 2 with a podcast on cybersecurity. And now we're starting Season 3 on a preseason podcast once again on cybersecurity. Because who could have known? I mean, I knew it was, I knew it was important in February. Hey, you know, and it was, and it was actually out there in March. But when we recorded in February, we all knew it was important. But I don't think any of us could have predicted just how important it was going to be be in 2021 because of all the recent cyber attacks. What a way to start season three. I mean, my goodness. (laughs) To provide a bit of background for our audience, as we all know, over the past several years, the U.S. has seen numerous and growing cybersecurity attacks and ransomware attacks on nearly every type of industry. Those that hit the news, of course, were those that had the biggest impact on consumers and on our infrastructure. This trend is growing and businesses are beginning to realize that their systems just aren't safe. Even if they have current levels of encryption, it usually takes just one thing, the weakest link, the human being, which I know the Aditi Group and myself, we always talk about, and that's the employee that may unknowingly take down an organization. And quite often it's due to the lack of training or understanding about how to keep networks and their data safe. And that's why it's so important that I have you all here today so that we can discuss this and to help people better understand this trend and provide some important information to keep your data safe. As you may or may not know, I recently wrote an article on this. And for the listeners, we do encourage you to read that article, which is posted on our website at advancedbenefitconsulting.com. And it was published in the July-August 2021 issue of The Statement, which is a publication from the California Association of Health Under writers and it's also on our website as well as the kahoo.org website. You can just go to the news section and scroll down and you'll find that and other issues of the statement there on the Kahu website. And some great news on that front also, this article is also being published in the August issue of California Broker and the August-September 2021 issue of America's Benefit Specialists. So I'm really happy about that. And Ted and Ted, I want to thank you so much for your assistance with that article. That was Having you guys be a part of that was so helpful and it really made the article great. So thank you very much for that. 
Yeah, you're welcome. We uh, feel that it's our mission, not only to serve people, to educate people. And that's why we're here today. We're talking, um, bringing up a lot of topics here. We're here to educate. Yes, absolutely. Since we've heard from Ted Flitner, Ted Mayashiba, why don't you say hello to everyone for us? Thank you, Dorothy. Uh, happy to be here. Happy to be a member of this clan of yours that does these uh, podcasts. And hopefully we'll be able to uh, educate. Let's hope. I'm sure we will. We have a lot to cover today, so I'm just going to go ahead and jump right in and ask some very important questions. Recent large ransomware attacks like Colonial Pipelines and JBS Foods have shown us that hackers are exploiting security weaknesses and holding the data of many companies hostage and often demanding millions of dollars to unlock their own data, which in turn is shut down supplies for critical goods and services. All we have to do is open up a newspaper or look online or turn on your TV and you're hearing about a new ransomware attack. Can you explain this to us in layman's terms, just what we mean when we say that ransomware is a form of malware targeting systems and, and what exactly do these malicious actors do in these situations? Dorothy, it's, it's been a long evolutionary process where we've gone from uh, pay-per-click fraud to identity theft, and now we're into ransomware. The whole point is, is, is people want to separate your money from you. It's just another, this has been going on from time immemorial. And, that, so and, that's, that, and, that's, and that's kind of important to people when you talk about their money. That tends to get their attention. That's right. And that's all this is. Um, so ransomware is just the latest way of separating you from your money. And uh, basically what it does is it encrypts all the data so you can't read it or access it. Uh, in order for you to get that uh, ability, you have to pay them, right? Separating you from your money uh, to have your data restored. The problem is twofold. One is after you pay them, the crooks may still not decrypt your data. The other one is, even if you do pay them and they give you the keys, they're not real good at decrypting. They're good at encrypting and locking you up, but they're not real good in reversing the process. So what they found uh, in JBS Foods and Colonial Pipeline uh, both found this out, Colonial Pipeline in particular. They paid a bunch of money to get the keys to, to their data, and they found out, oh, we have the keys, but it's not working. It still doesn't work. So they had to call their uh, customer service line. You know, these, these ransomware people have their own customer service call centers. And you call them up and say, look, uh, this is not working. Uh, I have the keys. Could you help me with this? Are you, are you, seri could, are you serious? Do you actually have a customer serious. service line? They have a customer service 800 line that you can call and say, look, you gave me the keys. I'm supposed to be able to unlock this. It took an additional week after they got the keys to unlock to get their systems back up and running to the point where they were starting to, to get their, their operations back online. And then after that, it took another two weeks to get things back uh, fully operational. And then that can, so, that can be disruptive to a company, I would say. Oh, I'd say that was very disruptive. So, so really, the, the lesson is you want to be able to just avoid all that at all costs, right? You just don't want to have to go down that road because there are just too many landmines in, uh, in making that happen. Yeah, that's crazy. Ted Flitner, did you want to comment on this at all? Yeah, we even had a, uh, you know, somebody who was uh, right in the Los Angeles area, a very small, you know, business, um, 
that had a ransomware attack and in their process of recovering their data uh, where they paid, of course, separating them from their money. And they were actually dealing with some, you know, 18 year old young man from, uh, you know, supposedly from Russia, you know, kind of giving them the impression that he kind of felt sorry for them, you know, while he's taking their money, you know, so, you know, that 1-800 number, you know, the customer service, the call line, um, these are real people doing real crimes, but it's in a way where, you know, they're not in physical harm's way, you know, like a kind of burglary you might have in your home or your car, something like that. So they have so a conscience. A, so they have a conscience, you say. Well, there's a there's a weird dynamic going on here, but it's, it's one that um, we hope that nobody who's listening today ever has to experience. Yeah, that's that's pretty insane. That, that's insane. I mean, I'm glad that he felt bad, but if you feel so bad, give me my money back. I mean, right. come on. Stop Stop doing the crime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Don't shut down my systems for weeks at a time. Yeah, it's been pretty crazy. Well, public entities have also been breached, such as the Steamship Authority of Massachusetts, Washington, D.C. Metro Police. I think that one's kind of humorous myself. The University of California, Michigan State University, and others. You know, people are wondering, how are they supposed to protect their data when these large public entities can't even keep their stuff protected? I mean, what are the basic things that can be done to protect your company's data? And how do we convince organizations that this is serious well it's it's um, interesting that you know Verizon you know our, our a lot of people's cell phone provider has been doing a study of uh, of attacks malware and the like for many years now and in their last um, report they said that 60 percent of these malware attacks come from outside 40 percent come from inside they're insider jobs. So some of what we've been preaching, what you've been preaching, what we've been preaching has been that you want to be able to avoid the big oops, which is uh, clicking on something you shouldn't in an email, which is basically called phishing. Or uh, we've had a client um, get, get a whale fished, <laughs> which is, um, an email that comes in from the outside to your accounting department that says the president wants you to send X number of dollars right now um, to complete this contract. And so um, she said, okay, boss says, uh, this is what I ought to do. So she sent the money. Um, mentioning this at the end of the day, uh, the president said, what email? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't write to you. Yeah, that's a, there's, like, there's a lot oops, of that. There's a lot going oops. on of that. I've seen that for a couple of several years, actually. There's there's a tremendous amount of that stuff going on and asking for gift cards to be sent and asking for money to be deposited and all kinds of things like that. And and lately what we're seeing is a lot of people getting onto your websites and and, and talking about uh, or, or sending you threatening messages and saying that you have copyright violations. We've had that on a number of occasions recently as well. So there's all kinds of stuff like that going on that people need to be aware of. Well, let's talk about something that happened fairly recently over the 4th of July weekend as we're all celebrating and, you know, getting ready for the fireworks and, you know, getting ready for the family and friends and getting together for the first time in, in a long time because of COVID. We heard about this new breach. I know I was, you know, in a vacation town where my vacation home is and I was uh, on my cell phone and I saw a notice that there was a major breach going on and I was like, oh no, here we go again. And that affected a lot of small employers and it was an IT software management company that was breached. 
and I know that's near and dear to you guys hearing something like this. Luckily, from what I understand, the IT firm caught it rather quickly and shut it down. And I'm talking, of course, about the Kaseya supply chain ransomware attack. Can you fill in our listeners about what happened here and what the vulnerabilities were and, and, and the actions that were taken You know, when it was discovered? I mean, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Agency and the FBI made some rather fast recommendations for managed service providers, for customers that were affected by this attack. But maybe you can break this down for us and help people understand it. Uh, cybersecurity experts say this was the Revel Gang, a major Russian-speaking ransomware syndicate. Maybe you guys can just break this down for us and help people to understand this a little bit better. Yeah, this is a um, a trust issue, and and this is what makes this uh, so difficult. So indeed, um, we use a trusted source, just like I say, as a trusted source. Uh, they have a good product. Uh, we don't use it, but it's a good product and it helps with remote monitoring. But the what makes the supply chain hack so difficult, especially for the, the little person, uh, owners of small and medium-sized businesses, is that there are certain tools that you have to use and trust that, um, that they won't be hacked. I mean, uh, an extension of the supply chain hack is... Um, is one where Microsoft got hacked and Office 365 has been hacked. And yes, they were able to catch it within hours, but there was damage. And um, there's very little that we as uh, small to medium-sized business owners can do about that. I mean, we, we put our trust in Office 365, for instance, and uh, our trust is in Microsoft, and and unfortunately that got breached, um, which gets back to um, being able to follow the minimum necessary rules that we've been espousing, that uh, you try to keep um, escalation, rights escalation, which is uh, what most of these malware uh, softwares try to do is that they find a toehold and they go up higher and higher to the point where they reach godlike status and they take over the administrator role. And the administrator role, even on your computer, your computer at home or on your worker's computer at home, there is an administrator setting. And we'll talk a little bit about this later, but it's a separation of keeping the administrator settings separate from worker settings. So even on your own computer, don't log on as an administrator because then you've already given the malware vendors a leg up on, on attacking you. Well, that's some that's some good information. Uh, Ted Flitner, I know you had some things to say on this. Yeah, and that's uh, following that minimum necessary rule, which really came from HIPAA. Um, you know, the idea that we want to limit the risk that anybody is carrying, any, you know, any one person or you know, computer is carrying, we want to limit, you know, how much data is there so that if there is any kind of breach, then it's a smaller breach. So, you know, really following that uh, and that idea with HIPAA, we want to be having a business associate agreement, a BAA. That's what we talk about in the HIPAA compliance area. A BAA says that those other companies outside of ours who are dealing with our data, who, who may be handling our data and so on, 
that they know what HIP is about and they're going to take precautions and they're basically signing up and saying, you know, we will take precautions when your stuff is in, a, is in our realm, when your data is in our realm. You know, it's important to have those. And, you know, that doesn't guarantee that you won't have an issue, but that's uh, another party signing on saying, we're taking some of the responsibility for the data that's being handled. Right? So it's important that we have BAAs, uh, business associate agreements, you know, wherever you know, possible. And then, uh, of course, we want to think about um, the, the likelihood that, you know, despite all of the best precautions, there may be a breach. There may be a problem at some time. So what kind of insurance can we have on that? What kind of cyber insurance can we have to cover that? Right, right. We'll talk about that a little bit later. And I understand from what I've been reading is that they said that this was the same uh, Russian-speaking ransomware syndicate that was involved with the JBS foods attack earlier in the year, the Revel Gang. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about that later on. But, I mean, these these people, these malicious actors, as we like to call them here, um, they were they were going after something specific, right? I mean, is it, is it all about chaos or are they looking for something specific when they do these types of attacks? Well, there's both. You know, there, there's some that are looking for any opportunity, which is kind of the spam idea. Uh, you know, it takes very little energy and very little time to send out a million emails that are exactly the same with that phishing hook in it. Hey, click here. I've got a million dollars for you from, you know, Nigeria. You know, um, it's, it's really easy to throw that out there. So that's really looking for anybody who um, either is half asleep or moving too fast and they click on it. And then there's the targeted, you know, the, the fishing, the spear fishing, the whales, as, as we mentioned earlier, that, you know, it's really, there's some investigation that's going on. Those targeted campaigns are the thing that's, that's really escalating. And it's certainly the ones that are escalating with these more sophisticated organizations. Um, like we mentioned here, you know, possibility of, you know, Russian actors, Korean actors, and so on. Um, these are more organized, um, you know, businesses. You know where they're doing more research. They have the resources. They've got a whole suite, you know, a whole team of people, you know, who are bringing different skill sets. You know, so that's the targeted stuff. So really, uh, we're seeing everything, and what they're looking for at the end of the day is to part us with our money, you know, right, or, or with our data, which becomes a way to get money, right. You know, so if our maybe it's not our money directly, but it's our it's our information that can be then sold to be turned into credit fraud. You know, so one way or the other, it's all about money. Well, I want to come back to the Kaseya thing for just a moment because it affected a lot of small businesses. And I want to mention that again. With that particular situation, uh, they shut it down pretty quickly. What are some of the things that you can do, you know, to be proactive? And if something like this does happen, that you can shut things down quickly like they did? Well, there's, you know, there's several ways, you know, that you can approach things. You know, one is to, you know, you want to be aware of the, the things that are happening keep track of the alerts that are coming out from software makers from like in this case, you know, CIA and, you know, other organizations that are, you know, alerting us to you know, these major issues. You know, like we had this issue several months ago when uh, Microsoft exchange servers had a, um, had a huge you know, hole and, you know, kind of overnight 30,000 email servers um, were vulnerable you know, and exposed. So, you know, keeping track of the alerts, you know, so following, um, you know, following our podcasts, following the alerts that we put on our websites, yours and yours and, and ours. Um, and if you are an administrator, you know, keep track 
of the alerts that are coming out from the software vendors. And uh, also, you know, know what to know what to do, have a plan um, in advance of what do we do, who's going to react, who's going to shut down the server, who's going to shut down things um, while we're waiting for a vendor to come out with a patch, if that's the case. You know, so there's, there's kind of a number of things to do. It really depends on uh, the specifics here. But have a plan. Yeah. You know, is really where it starts. Yeah. And a plan, we're probably going to talk about this later as well, that ties to risk assessments, you know, which is let's look forward and see where are we at risk and what can we do about it. Right, right. Well, that's some good information. Thank you very much. And we will come back to that. Around the same time as the 4th of July uh, thing with uh, the Kaseya group here, uh, there was another cyber alert that was issued for Philips View pack products and Microsoft out-of-band security updates for Print Nightmare. Can you guys comment on that? And Because I've had a lot of people ask me, what exactly was that? I don't understand. <laughs> Print Nightmare was an oops on the part of uh, these large companies. Um, they were they were investigating um, a bug that somebody had found, and this happens all the time. And people are researchers are out there looking, and they discovered that there was this hole, this this bug that was out there, and they were uh, banding about the proof of concept, which is how does this work? And unfortunately, that got published. And so the people out there who are paying attention to these things, these malware actors, looked at that and said, oh, well, look at this. Maybe we can maybe we can use this. Let's try it out. <laughs> that was a that was a real big oops. What you mentioned. Oops. That was a that was a big oops indeed. And so they went out and they tried it and they said, oh, my God, look, it works. So um, that came to the attention of. Microsoft and, and Philips and all the rest of these folks. And they said, oops, we shouldn't have published that. That shouldn't you have think? gone out. You think? <laughs> yeah, you think? <laughs> and so that that then led to a large scramble over the holiday weekend. What we ultimately found out was that unless you had a hole in your system, you were probably OK. Um, the other part of it was the fix for this came out last Tuesday night. So it was discovered and published on Friday. Tuesday, Microsoft sent out, and mine came out at about noon on Tuesday, um, to patch this hole. Now, this, this means that one of the things to address your one question, so what can people do who are small, medium-sized executives to protect ourselves. And one is to make sure that all your computers are set up to automatically download the latest patches and updates. That's really important for all of your critical infrastructure um, devices. So not only your computers, but anything else that you have that has these automatic um, updates like printers, for instance, have that. So we would encourage you to, to um, Turn that on and make that available. And that's one thing you could do. They were very good about uh, getting that out and the patch works. And so we were exposed for about four days, four to five days. Uh, but like I said, unless you were already exposed, uh, if people didn't have a hole to crawl through, 
to execute this malware, then it was it was not going to be a big deal. Although they did come out with uh, whole instructions on how to fix this and protect yourselves. Uh, but uh, everybody later in the weekend, for those of us who are in the business, we're, we're up on Saturday and Sunday going, oh, okay, it's not so big of a deal. All right, fine. Uh, but, uh, you know, you, you, if you have that automatic um, update turned on, you're, you've taken reasonable steps to protect yourself. Yeah, that was it was an interesting Fourth of July holiday. I'll tell you, and I'm I was thinking about you guys when I was reading these alerts on my phone. So I was thinking, oh boy, <laughs> I can imagine how busy you guys are. People are probably calling you like crazy and say, "Does this affect us? What happened? What happened?" So anyway, it was kind of crazy. Um, we're, we're busy on holidays anyway. Just make it make it a little you know more fireworks, right? Yeah, exactly. Just these are the kind of fireworks. I don't know about you, but these are the fireworks that I could just do without. You know. Safe and sane. Yeah, exactly. I'd rather be on my boat and watching the fireworks, you know, the real fireworks <laughs> on, on, on the lake. I don't really want to be dealing with things like, uh, you know, all of these uh, cyber attacks and cyber alerts and so forth. So anyway, let's move on because we do have a lot of stuff to cover here. Recent news reports, of course, have named, and we talked about one of these a minute ago, uh, several hacker groups that have been linked to recent large breaches and ransomware schemes. And we've heard about Darkside, Rebel Group. As we discussed a moment ago, Avedon, um, Evil Group, I may be pronouncing these incorrectly, and correct me if, I, if I'm wrong and if you guys know how to pronounce these, but I'm doing the best I can here, just reading what I'm seeing in the news, uh, Doppelpamer Gang, and, and a lot more. So who should we focus on? I mean, is it just these big guys, or is it the little guys? Who should we be focused on, and who should we be afraid of, and why? The, the big guys are, have got a new business model. It's called Malware as a Service. And so what they do is they invest in um, Bitcoin uh, servers um, uh, and, and other, other kits. And what they do is they sell these kits on the dark web for a few hundred bucks to these pimply-faced 14-year-olds um, staked out in some parent's basement. <clears throat> and they take these kits and then use phishing to go in and inject the malware onto various uh, machines. And because if, if you look at the entire process, you inject the malware and then it goes off and it automatically does its thing into encrypting everything on the uh, on all your computers and or your networks. It'll, it'll crawl through your entire network. Then it comes up and says, okay, so we can unlock this for X number of Bitcoin. So the big guys are now have these franchisees, if you will, who are um, now in business to inject. Uh, so it's a distributed model. So they're, they're distributing their malware because they're more likely to know how to fish in their local areas. And so more important than ever, we are faced with getting your people to understand, don't click on those things that you don't expect. Don't fall for um, social media hooks that have you click on something and will download this malware. So. The large guys put up the capital to put servers, 
put the kits together. Um, and then they, once you pay them in Bitcoin, then they split it with their distributed franchisees. Uh, you get X percent for being successful. And we take uh, our cut for um, putting up the capital to make sure the infrastructure is there um, to make this work. You know what? If this if this wasn't so dangerous, it would actually – I'd almost want to applaud them in a way because, you know, this is very entrepreneurial, the way they're doing this. I mean, think about it. I mean, they've as you said, they made a service out of this thing. Isn't that nice of them to create a new service for us uh, in cybersecurity or cyber theft in this case and ransomware? Um, it, it's It's – I, I know it's a serious subject, but it's almost laughable when you think about it. They've really made a true business of this, and I think that business entrepreneurs can relate to this. I mean, they found ways to make money, just like you found ways in your companies to make money. They found a niche, and they went after it, and they're now getting, as you said, these pimply-faced little 14-year-old kids who could be your neighbors or could be friends of your kids uh, that are doing this, and it's to me, that's a very, very scary thing. I'm sorry, I just had to comment on that because I... I it's sort of ironic, I guess, and it's and it's sort of humorous, but not in a good way. Well, it, it truly is organized crime, and it, in the same way, when we we watch uh, you know movies, you know um, about organized crime, you know like mafia movies, you know there's 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 kind of a, a fascination there, but what's really happening is something that's that's really wrong, and when you're on the receiving end of this kind of organized crime, you know. There's no justice there, right? And, it, and it's very unfortunate. And really, is this, this is something that's growing. You know, it's a growing trend. Ransomware is a growing trend. And the malware as a service, the kind of the organized crime providing tools as a service, that type of model is growing as well. And so that's, that's something. Um, and at the end of the day, what it's telling all of us is that um, there are more people putting effort into breaking into our systems and getting our money, getting our data. So we really need to be on it, 365. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. I, I couldn't agree more. That's that's It's insanely important. Um, well, let's move on a little bit. Healthcare and insurance groups have always been a huge target for hackers and cyber attackers, you know, from Anthem to Premira Blue Cross, Mass General, Cottage Health, UMass, and more recently Scripps. They've all fallen victim to cyber criminals. Since a lot of our listening audience is in the healthcare space and health insurance business or employers sponsoring health plans, are there certain things that this industry should be doing more of, you know, to protect patient and customer medical data? Well, beyond what we've already mentioned, which is to make sure that uh, the minimum necessary uh, what you, you're really trying to prevent the big whoops, right? The phishing attacks accidentally clicking on something that you shouldn't be. Um, those, that's really where HIPAA has, has stepped forward and they've been pounding the drum from the very beginning uh, on these, on these uh, issues. Uh, really, what has to be done is we have to develop a the cybersecurity culture where everybody helps each other. Um, training, you know, helps certainly in raising awareness, but really this is, as we've been talking about, it's every day, it's every moment. You can't really let down your guard. And it always helps if everybody in the office or everybody that you're working with is helping each other out and is aware, you know, cyber aware is what we're after, 
after. Um, even down to texting and, and being able to secure text because people don't think about that, but getting some kind of a um, secure texting um, is critical. And we found that out in the hospitals because doctors within operating rooms would text information, uh, PII out to nurses outside the OR and that text is not secure. And so putting off that PII in a, into a text was, was really damaging um, as well as illegal. Uh, so that's why you know, people like uh, Signal or Element came about and, and put together a fully um, secure end-to-end -end encrypted texting device um, that, that allowed that to happen in a secure place. So uh, making, making HIPAA compliance a serious issue um, has to start from the top and really has to be um, spread throughout the organization. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I want to come back to Ted Mayashiva's comments about texting because, Ted, I know that you have concerns about texting as well as emailing. I know that you've made comments on many occasions uh, saying that it's uh, somewhat like sending a postcard. Would you care to comment on this? Well, I, I'm always comparing an email as like a postcard, an email that um, where you're sending information um, in the subject line, in the body of an email, that is a postcard. Um, the only way to send you know, email securely or information securely with email is if you have that um, as a, an encrypted attachment or if you are linking to a portal where somebody has to log in. And in that case, you know, the data is actually not in email, you know. But you know, an email is like a postcard, and anybody along the way, like the like the postman picks it up from your house and you know shuffles it on, can be reading about you and your vacation, you know, in Maui. Um, and unsophisticated actors along the way in the internet can be reading about you and your vacation in Maui, or you and your login credentials, you know, for your bank account if you're emailing those around. Um, and that's why you know we we steer people away from email. That's why HIPAA says you know you need to send information in, in a secure way and email there's only really one specific way and that's encrypted attachments um, but you know at the end of the day um, it is this culture of security where everybody is paying attention every day and it's not just um, staff at a certain level you know the ceo and the executives are you know immune to it um, everybody has to walk the walk and talk the talk and if it's not talked about often, then it's not part of your culture. And we know what we don't talk about often is not important when it's coming from our boss. You know, what our boss talks about often, we know that's important. So security has to be part of that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, everybody's been victims of cybercrimes, even professional sports teams. Uh, Houston Rockets were hit with ransomware. You know, even after they claimed to have prevented some attacks, you know, this was reported as a minor incident. But is it really minor if even one person is a victim to these attacks? Well, it's, it's never really minor um, in the grand scheme. Um, anybody who becomes a victim and pays into the system is feeding the system and kind of endorsing the system and you know, making it, continuing to make it rewarding for anybody who's involved in it. Um, and, you know, with ransomware, even if you pay and get your data back, uh, they're able to unencrypt it. Um, and you get your data back, you don't know for sure 
what they actually did. You don't know for sure if they have a copy of your data or if they uh, just encrypted your data. So you'll need to spend money to um, have somebody do some forensics. If you are somebody who's under HIPAA purview, um, under HIPAA compliance rules, then that's part of what you are supposed to do is you know, hire some experts to look in and say, did a breach happen or was it I just had to pay somebody to let me look at my own data? You know, those are things you don't know. And so that initial payment can really skyrocket. Um, you know, sometimes, sometimes the um, forensics investigation is several times what the cost of the, you know, the payment that they were demanding, the ransom. You know, so there's, there's a couple sides to this. And at the end of the day, everybody that feeds into it is adding to um, the desire for people to be doing ransomware because it's profitable. Yeah, it's very profitable and it's way too running way too rampant in my opinion right now. So I'm glad that we're talking about this. Well, let's talk about software updates. Ted Mayashima mentioned one of these just a few moments ago about the Microsoft 365 vulnerabilities. Let's let's talk about this. Let's talk about patching in more detail here. Uh, Apple Mac operating system recently released an update to address vulnerability uh, that allowed malware to work around private settings and of course the Microsoft 365 had vulnerabilities as Ted mentioned in email applications and so forth. Microsoft also released patches for limited and targeted attacks and what should businesses, we already talked about this a little bit, but let's come back to this because I think it's super important. What should businesses be doing to assure these updates and patches are installed and used? And, and if you could just reiterate once again how important this is. Yeah, the, the automatic um downloading of updates to your operating system is critical. That's where all of the patches get rolled up and for for Windows machines anyway, it's usually uh, Tuesday. Patch Tuesday is what they call it. And everything gets gets downloaded and upgraded and everything is fresh and things work better after Patch Tuesday. Um, there are those who will say uh, those who who are quote in the know what might say, well, I never do that because I usually wait to see if those patches make things worse. And that's one of the reasons why they have the rollback feature. So if you can, if you can get onto the machine, if things don't work as well as they should, you can roll back to what your machine looked like on Monday and see if you can find a patch, uh, a patch for the patch on Wednesday, but I would um, encourage everybody to do that automatic update because that's uh, your best guarantee that when you're not looking, those things get updated immediately. Yeah, I guess IT people probably don't like Patch Tuesday very much, uh, I would think, because that seems to be their busiest day, I would think, of the week um, for them. You know, if it were me, I wouldn't like it. I'd, I, I would imagine a lot of people probably call in sick from the IT department uh, right around those <laughs> those times of the that day of the week. That would be me. <laughs> so I'm kidding. I'm kidding, of course. Well, I, it's a, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's kind of an ongoing war, and it's a game of defense and offense. And it's that the window of opportunity is, is what is exploited. You know, the, the time lag between when uh, somebody discovers a vulnerability and posts that on the internet and that spreads and then people start using it. Um, and that time and the time when people actually are uh, updating their systems. 
you know, it could be that, you know, uh, like Microsoft or whoever it is, you know, it could be that the software maker comes out with a, with a um, patch or an update same day. But if people aren't applying that patch or update, then that's the window of opportunity. Uh, and that's what happens with a lot of these, you know, big hacks that are, that are the result of a big software vulnerability is that that's that window between when, you know, the, the breach possibility became known and people actually, you know, repair things with um, the defense. So it's that offense defense game. That's why the automatic update is so important because, you know, it's easy for us to go, Oh yeah, I forgot about it. Oops. You know, you don't want to be in that window. You don't want to be that person that said, you know what? I was going to update things later in the day or later in the week. And, you know, I became a victim. So if people come into work and they have to take a little bit more time to power up again, they should be powering down every night anyway. But uh, if they have to do that, um, you know, they just need to understand that that's part of what we have to do in order to keep our data safe. So perhaps a little, because uh, I know a lot of employees that, that have always complained about that. Oh, man, my system updated again last night and it's going to take me an extra 45 minutes today to, to you know, turn it back on because and that's their excuse for being late, by the way. It's funny because I checked your time clock and, you know, you came in 15 minutes late anyway. So this really isn't the biggest excuse for why you were late today. But anyway, um, it is kind of a routine that I've seen in offices many times, people using that as an excuse <laughs> for being late in the morning because they, I, I couldn't log on because I had, it was updating, you know, 26,000 updates overnight, you know. So when I powered up, it took a lot longer. But anyway, that's just part of, you know what, that's take the good with the bad. You have to get used to that and just accept that that's going to happen and tell your employees they should come in a few minutes early maybe on those days. I don't know. Well, it depends on your IT department. If you've got a more advanced IT department, you can have those updates being deployed at nighttime, pushed out at nighttime, you know, so that you know, people come in in the morning and, you know, the machine's ready to go. That's the way to do yeah. it. But in a small organization, they might only have two to five, ten people, and they may not have an IT department. So they might be manually turning their computers on in the morning and having to deal with the updates as they're loading. So, again, it just depends on the size of the company. But you're absolutely right. Your IT department should be able to handle that for you, for sure. Um, I was just trying to bring a little humor into this because it's a very serious topic. I apologize for that. Okay, guys, I think this is a good place to stop and take a break. So what we're going to do is continue with part two of this podcast next week. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for compliance tips, cost containment ideas, new trends, and decision-making tools. This podcast is produced by Advanced Benefit Consulting, Anaheim, California. All views expressed are those of the host or interviewees and not necessarily those of Advanced Benefit Consulting. Information contained herein should not be construed as legal advice. We always recommend that you consult with your legal counsel as situations do vary. Ms. Koshu can be reached at 714-693-9754, extension 3. Toll free at 866-658-3835. Or visit our website at advancedbenefitconsulting.com.